0: Hello and welcome to episode one hundred and thirty-three of the Fuel Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Messed up already. Welcome to episode one hundred and thirty-three of the award-winning Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. (laughs) I am your host John Lennon. I'm joined today with Paul McCartney. I'm I'm looking at you. Okay. And uh, Ringo Starr. Howdy. And so, who does that make you? George. That makes you George Harrison. That's right. So, the reason I did that is so I just going be Yoko? You can. You okay. want to break up the band. Okay. But the reason I did that is, you know, I just got back from the HSMAI Marketing Strategy Conference in New York. It was a great event. Lots of, made lots of new friends and learned a lot from the sessions and had a number of people talk about how much they love the podcast. No one remembers anyone's name on the podcast. It's really? amazing. Yeah. Like, what's the girl's name? Or what's that guy that says this? And so no one can ever remember a name. So I might as well just make them up at the beginning <laughs> of the show. It doesn't really matter. But if you're tuning in for the first time, that's really uh, John Lennon. Uh, who, you were John, right? No, you were John. I was John. So John Lennon is really Stuart Butler. And Paul McCartney is really... Phil Faresca. And then, I forgot what I called. Ringo Starr.
1: Ringo. Melissa Cavanaugh.
0: And then George Harrison, who are you really? I'm really Pete DeMayo. There you go. So those are our real names, but you can call us whatever you want as long as you listen to the show. And we had a lot of people. I'd say there's at least eight people listening to the show now. So you are That's one great. of the eight if you're listening to this show. Uh, so yeah, it's it was it was good. Great getting the feedback. The highlight though, rather than telling, you know, shouting out everyone's name, there was one interaction that really tickled me in particular I was sitting next to this lowly lady at, uh, at at a piano bar and we were chatting and we got onto the subject of podcasts and we were sharing the ones we like we liked a lot of similar ones like my favorite murder and radio lab and reply all and stuff like this uh, and i mentioned something about well on our show but blah, 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 blah. she's like you do a podcast and i was like yeah that's, what is it and uh she said oh and i said the fuel hotel marketing podcast she her eyes about popped out of her head she's like <laughs> I knew I knew your your. You're, I recognize your voice, I love that show, that's amazing, that's really cool, so there's well, a lot of folks in are listening, wow. nice. so Melanie uh, from LBA Hospitality, if you're listening, thank you for being a listener, and we, we enjoyed hanging out with you, and all the other folks from well, the HSMI. Cool,
2: the cool thing I took from your story was, that puts us in the same sentence as things like Radiolab.
0: Isn't that pretty cool, or, or Reply All, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. yeah, My Favorite Murder, some of the greatest podcasts out there, so... Yeah, it, it, was, it was a good show. I, I would say this, overall, th- there wasn't anything groundbreaking from the show, like nothing that just hit me in the face as, oh, I've ne- never really thought about it that way before. But there's a lot of good reinforcement, a lot of folks very scared of Google, uh, a lot of folks trying to figure out this meta search landscape and how to take advantage of that. Uh, but there's also, I think, really the beginning of, and we've been talking about it for a long time, but this... Uh, convergence between sales and marketing and revenue management. And, and you're really beginning to see that in, in terms of the folks that are attending a marketing event. You know, there's a lot of people from sales and revenue there, but also the types of conversations being had. Dan Waxman did a great presentation on that specific subject on how to, you know, keep a single score sheet that everyone can work to and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think the industry's heading in a positive direction. We have a lot of challenges in front of us. We're going to continue to do our little part to help people stay educated. And so the one thing I would throw out there to you listening, if you're in the marketing side of the world, but you work with folks on the sales and the revenue side, tell them about our podcast. Tell them, hey, if you really want to understand some of the things that go on with the the marketing side, this is a great resource for you. So that's that's the one challenge I throw out to everyone listening to the show. We'd love to double our numbers from 8 to 16 listeners uh, this year. That would be amazing, right? So please tell a friend and tell them that the Beatles sent you. That'll work. All right, so this episode, Phil. It's part two. It is part two. We haven't done that, I think, more than once before. So this is kind of new ground for us. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you can go and listen to that. But it doesn't really rely on you having heard that to listen to this one. So we basically split it into two because it was a big topic, right? We were talking about guest behavior in different areas. So last week we talked about website behavior and and how to track uh, the user, what they're clicking on and things like that. Um, So this week we're going to take a little different approach and look at a couple of different aspects of user behavior. And we had a really cool title to last week's episode too. So this will be the same title part two, so shocking behavior. Some kind of clickbaity thing like that. Uh, so before we jump into the topic, Pete. Yes. Oh, Melissa? Question mark. What? Do you wanna? Is this a new duet? A permanent are duet?
1: Are we duetting again? It seems like
2: we do duets every time. It gets kind of weird. Does it? So why doesn't Melissa just do it this time by herself?
0: Ah, so we're just gonna mix it up every week. Yeah, and the next week it'll time be it's a Phil. surprise. Yeah. All right. All right. And then next week it's gonna be you, Phil. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Melissa, take away for the news of
1: With hotel marketing they cannot lose, now it's time for news a
0: Awesome. That was stupid. That didn't work out. <laughs> <at all. laughs>
2: Pete wants Peter. it back. Peter's bitter. Hey, there's news items this week, though. Okay. We actually have two of them. Uh, first one is uh, Booking.com launches CityBook which is a travel app that is basically booking.com's attempt to control the, the guests during the vacation, where they can look at things to do in their area while they're traveling, get recommendations mid-trip on things that they might like based on where they've been elsewhere. Uh, I don't know quite how effective it will be, but it's something for them to look into. You can definitely see the similarities between the Booking.com app and Google. So it's clearly Booking.com trying to maybe keep their guest away from Google for things to do and things near me and all those zero searches that happen on Google's side that
0: Booking's trying to take advantage of.
3: Look, for some reason, I thought they already had an app. Well, they have the
0: Booking.com app, right? Yeah. So this Which is, is so like this more of a things so to do app. Their, their main app is the Planning for a trip and booking a trip. This is more. It's consuming the trip. This is an experiential discovery tool while you're in property. You can also use it to plan your itinerary and things like that. But they're really they're trying to do. Everyone's doing the same thing right now, right? So a presentation I gave at this conference was about all the changes Google have made over the last couple of years and how they're really trying to do two things. One, pre- prepare for voice search, which is why we're seeing over 50% of search results now resulting in zero clicks, meaning that Google answer the question right there in the answer box at the very top. But the other thing they're trying to do is get further down the value chain of travel, right? So they don't just wanna be a meta search or an ad to someone that transacts. They've gotten into transaction, right? That's why they got into Google Hotel Ads. That's why they've gotten into Book on Google. And at the direct booking summit last year, One of the heads of Google Travel literally said, We believe we provide a better experience for the guest than the hotel does at booking, which to say that out loud is ludicrous to me that you would say that. But it's true, number one, but and we'll talk about some of that in in the behavior stuff in a minute. But Google's not gonna stop at the transaction. Google, if you look at what they've done, they got rid of the slash flights and slash hotels in the trips app. And they're really doubling down on google.com slash travel. And they're bundling everything in there now. So if you go to the slash travel, there's these new ways to search and discover. So one of them is where should I stay? And it really, in a specific geographic location, lets you slice and dice and see what areas specific restaurants are or attractions are and what hotels are around them. So it really helps you learn a new destination better than any other tool out there. And then the other thing they do is you can click on when should I stay? And it gives you event information climate information all this stuff that's going to go in price information so you can really make a better educated decision so they're really trying to get deeper into this chain and eventually you know become part of the experiences itself
2: and that's where booking.com and honestly everybody should be very concerned if you currently have a slice of that pie yeah on the serp you've got a big problem because one google's taking massive steps forward Booking.com is trying to do that. I don't know how effective they'll be. If I had to kind of guess, I... Well,
0: Wall Street has a prediction. Just go look at at the stock prices of TripAdvisor, Expedia, Booking over the last six months. And you'll see they are down tremendously because everyone sees the writing on the wall. Despite the fact they pay Google tens of billions of dollars a year right now in advertising all of them are facing a potentially existential crisis with yeah. Google. Google is going to literally devour them because they're going to make them completely obsolete.
2: And, and the most interesting thing there is as Google goes in that direction, they'll receive less revenue from the OTAs while they're building up their, but in, their own But they'll receive revenue. more so,
0: direct from
2: the hotels. Right. So from Google's perspective, it's just when is that change going to happen? Right. They don't nece- aren't necessarily going to see a massive financial problem by slowly put, putting the OTAs on the no, curb.
0: It, they're doing it the, the way anyone else would do it, right? They're slowly ratcheting it, it anyone up. Anyone
2: who controls the world. <laughs> yeah. So
0: <laughs> the presentation I gave was literally called, is Google going to devour us all? Uh, probably eventually, because they're not going to just stop there. And uh, so what the OTAs are doing, which is this app is a prime example, is they're doubling down on, one, branding, which is why you're seeing them spend more money on TV advertising. And then they're getting they're trying to get further down the value chain than they already are and, and start to compete with the experience itself, which is why this app came up. Mm-hmm. So in the short term, you might say, well, this is a good thing, right? If Google squeezes out the OTAs, there's fewer middlemen, and I can just pay Google directly. Now, instead of paying Expedia and Booking and TripAdvisor, I'm just paying Google, and maybe that's less than I'm paying combined.
2: Competition's always good.
0: That's the problem. Once Google has a monopoly... They're not going to stop there. They're going to they're going to ratchet up the price and then look for ways to get further into your value chain. So I think this is the presentation I, I've been giving recently a couple of times. I want to turn it into an episode to really dig into this because they, they, I, I really do believe there are some things tactically and strateg- strategically that you can do now before it's too late, before Google does d- destroy everyone. Because mm-hmm. that's really the direction they're heading.
3: You kind of led us right into our next newsaroo. Go for it. TripAdvisor just cut hundreds of positions. Uh, they claim as Google competition intensifies. Mm-hmm. So their CEO came out and just saying, you know, basically what you just said. Google's gotten more aggressive. Um, they don't see that stopping. Um, and then their reasoning for getting rid of uh, so many employees was. They are prudently reducing and reallocating expenses in certain parts of our business to preserve strong profitability. Mm.
0: So it's a Sponsored response to their, their Wall Street
3: financials. Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: Well,
2: I mean, look at it this way. If you look at TripAdvisor's five-year stock price, it peaked back in 2016 around $77, and it's currently at... $40.57. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, that was the last thing on there. It said $29.59. Mm. Oh.
0: Yeah, so, so look look at November de- of last year when, you know, or November, December is when there was a massive drop when their financials came out and people really started talking about yeah. how Google SERP is changing and how it's squeezing these guys out. Uh, yeah,
2: that's where it dropped from $43, i am sorry, down to... At that point, it was like the
0: mid-20s. It's kind of made a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's, it's recovered a little bit, but it dropped almost 50% overnight pretty much back at the end of last year.
3: But really, Google has everything that people would go to TripAdvisor for. They're showing rates. They're showing reviews. They're showing photos, user-generated and provided by the hotel themselves.
2: And the velocity of those reviews coming in through Google outpaces TripAdvisor right. in most cases. Yeah.
3: TripAdvisor lost the plot, and this is,
0: dates back a couple of years ago. And we've been saying this on the show for forever, and apparently, TripAdvisor aren't one of the eight that listen to us <laughs> because they haven't paid attention. They stopped doing what made TripAdvisor great, which was focusing 100% on the consumer, which is what Google still does to this day. They're, they're single mindedly focused on how can I create the best consumer experience, knowing that money will come from that. TripAdvisor shifted. And stop saying, what's in the best interest of the consumer? And they start saying, how can I get more money from hotels? And you can see that with things like sponsored positions. Uh, I
3: have an update on sponsored positions. We'll
0: get to that in a second. But you can also see that in their actual result listings. They no longer show you, here's the top 100 in order of best to worst. They they will curate that list. Or let you pay. <laughs> or, yeah. So... That, there's no one can make an argument that that's in the best interest of the consumer when you're not being completely transparent. Now, I don't have a problem per se with promoted positions. I just think you've got to do a better job disclosing what that is because it's misleading to say this hotel is number one in our list when it's you know ranked 400 out of 450 properties in the destination. That's not a good user experience. That's why TripAdvisor is in the problem having the chance they are, until they turn back and stop chasing Wall Street's demands and start focusing on what can we do to provide value for the consumer. They're going to continue to struggle and literally could be out of business. They, there's the average lifespan of a company that's in the Fortune 500 now. It used to be 75 years. It's
3: now 12 years. Wow. Whoa. Big companies are going bust. Is it is it that or is it? Maybe some of these big companies are getting bought up. Well, some,
0: some emerging, and yeah, there's definitely M and A going on, which is part of it. But you know, part of that's de- dependent on the fact that they're not sustainably growing, which is what Wall Street demands now. Your stock price is almost more tied to growth than it is to profitability these days.
1: Hmm.
0: So e- every business is going to hit some kind of you know cap in terms of its ability to grow you see it with it, what Airbnb is going through right now and they're having to try to figure out new ways to generate revenue.
3: Yeah, that's a big one. So what what's the sponsored position? Uh, see, that's what I was going to say. I think TripAdvisor is listening because exactly why I bashed the crap out of sponsor placements, um, they kind of fixed a lot of that. So, so they say. So they say. Uh, so what sponsor placement looks like today is not what it looked like months ago. Uh, probably last time we talked about it. So in your sponsored placement, they used to show OTA rates alongside yours. That's no longer there. Um, when you when someone clicked on a sponsored placement and and got to your TripAdvisor page, they were then shown the auction with OTAs. That's no longer the case. If you're if you're bidding for their cost per click, um, you're only paying for the sponsored ad. And you are not getting, you're not paying for that click to your booking engine after that, after they reach your TripAdvisor page. Um, There was one more. So they're
1: not double dipping.
3: (laughs) They're not double dipping in any way. Oh, the other, in the sponsor placement, there are links to your website, your specials, and your phone number. And you're not charged if someone clicks on any one of those three things you're not even charged the sponsored placement click cost there i so. guess you
0: have to have a business listing to get those though, would be my assumption Cause, uh, cause, cause, cause tripadvisor
3: doesn't link to you
0: unless you have a business right.
3: listing so yeah. at least they've they've taken some of the feedback yeah, that's and, a and, much better and responded
0: experience for the for the consumer for sure so tripadvisor was at the the conference and they were really heavily promoting the sponsored placements and uh, they're actually giving out away a way a coupon code for $500 credit. So I've got one of those that can give me. But that's really not oh,
2: better for the customer. It's better for the customer or the guy who's paying TripAdvisor for the position is better for, but for the customer it's, well, it's it, basically the same. You, you still see one, you see a rate you're booking it. You still can click. Mm-hmm. You could have always done that. The only difference is they realize that the, intermediary which is like in this case the hotel the person who's paying Tripadvisor, abandoned sponsored positions because there was no analytics associated with right. it we've tested it time and time again and it fails every single time because there was zero transparency of what the click was
3: their data didn't match our data it, it didn't
2: so they, they made it better for the hotelier to participate in their platform
3: yeah you're right it's no better for the average joe who's on are they are they
0: changing how
3: it looks though i no. imagine it looks different yeah. than the regular listings o- below it because it doesn't have just the, the sponsored. yeah that's it's it's very similar it's it's yeah. almost like what google does with the with um the new desktop look where ad is only those two little black letters next to the ad itself it's almost indistinguishable yeah Yeah. i don't think it it helps the
2: customer at all if anything it's going to make tripadvisor less relevant because you click on the first listing which you think is the best and you find that it's the 79th out of you know 80 properties we we
3: haven't we haven't tested this new sponsor placement yet so i I don't want to speak out of turn but for me if i'm on tripadvisor i want to see price comparison and the very first listing the sponsored one doesn't show that anymore because they were double dipping on the clients. But at this at this point, I'm not getting what I want out of looking at TripAdvisor. I don't get to see that now, as you know. That's just the general consumer using the site. I I'm a fan of it because I don't have to pay for someone to go to an OTA and then I pay the OTA. We all talked about how dumb that was, but at the same time, you know, from from a user experience, was was that better? I don't know. We have to test <laughs> it and find out.
0: You're exactly right, Pete. I, I think, yeah. It's probably not better for the consumer. And so, again, they're trying to make more money, which strategically makes sense in the short term, right? Because if they see OTAs are going to lose their their foothold in the market over time, down the road, they're going to make less money from OTAs. So they've got to turn to the hoteliers. And if they become buddy-buddy with the hotels now, they can get more of their money before it gets started, mm-hmm. starts to get spent on Google. Sort of makes sense, but you're right. It, it doesn't really help the consumer.
3: Anyway,
0: time. well, Google's going to own us all. This is going to be the the Google Hotel Marketing
3: Podcast before <laughs> too long. It kind of is. No, we're just joking. We we're going to tell you, tell you how to make your website better, so you don't have to rely so much on them.
0: All righty, so let's jump into the topic. We're only like four hours into the show, and we haven't even started talking about the topic yet.
3: Lucky this is a part two. Yes. All right. Okay, so this is part two of... Analyzing behavior on on your hotel's website, and we're going to be talking about uh, tracking your conversion rate and how to optimize your conversion rate. Um, So we touched on some of this in part one, but now we're going to kind of dig a little deeper into finding the friction in the booking process. Um, Identifying where your users are leaving your site uh, and understanding typical page flows and getting users deeper in the funnel more quickly. So a few things to monitor. Um, you should be monitoring your page flow reports. So, uh, what is the typical click path of the user who visits your site? Uh, exit pages. So, what pages are driving people away from your site most often? Uh, A/B testing results. So, you know how how do your A/B tests perform on your site? Um, form fields. So, what this would be is you know are are the forms on your site? Um, as efficient as they could be uh, are people skipping certain things are they bailing when they reach a certain form field
0: yeah are you collecting trying to collect too much data that's right, more not than necessary
3: like if you're not going to use the data don't collect it right and and lastly uh, you should be monitoring your booking engine and how people interact with your booking engine
0: because yeah. thats
3: sometimes you know not if you use the fuel booking engine but other booking <laughs> engines it might be a little different
0: yeah and really you need to start looking at the booking engine the website as one cohesive thing right because it the the myth people try to treat hospitality research and booking the same way e-commerce works right you know traditional retail e-commerce and it's not the same so uh, uh, one of the the outcomes of that is people look at say amazon and say okay once something's in the cart and you get to the shopping cart to go check out in amazon they take away the navigation and they try to keep people in that funnel right but That's not the same as researching and booking a hotel. And if you look at the pathing of people, it's not they come to the homepage, do a search, select a room and book. That's not how people shop for hotels. They're going, they're looking at rates and then they'll look at the accommodations page and then they'll look at the amenities page and then they might check the rates again. So they're bouncing back and forward from content that's traditionally on the website and, and typically on the booking engine. And the problem... And we've talked about this a lot a couple of episodes ago with our rants about bad booking engine experience. When you have a booking engine that loses the navigation or is on a separate domain, not only is it hard for the consumer to to shop the way they organically want to shop, but it's it's really difficult as well for you as a marketer to analyze the data and to understand where
3: people are jumping back and forth. Yeah, that's part of the reason why we're saying look at page flow reports. You need to understand... Um, what information are people going back for, or what imp- information do people seek next? And can you combine it? Is it better that it's split? These are these are the type of things that we're asking you to analyze.
1: And if we go back like a thousand years in history, we did a podcast episode on the ten metrics that really matter, or something to that That's effect. Still one
0: of my most listened to episodes. Um, and I think th- it had nine people listen to that. At movie. least nine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, but in that episode, I talked about looking at the conversion rate from the front end of the site into the booking engine and then of people who made it to the booking engine, what that conversion rate was. You need mm-hmm. to look at it as a whole, but you also need to look at it in those two sections mm-hmm. and then to be able to troubleshoot, okay, where are people falling out within each of those. Mm-hmm.
3: So a couple, a couple things you need to be looking at. Uh, these are the tools for conversion rate optimization. Google Analytics is number one. Uh, or whatever analytics platform you're using could it be Adobe Uh, but Google Analytics will give you page flow reports Um, they'll give you the most popular exit pages Um, you can you can glean a lot from that type of data Um, you also need to be looking at a B testing tools we use visual website optimizer there are quite a few other ones out there Um, but really digging into the data that that you get back from your a B tests and lastly uh, user testing user testing can tell you anecdotally uh, a lot about how certain people are interacting but if you start to see trends in your user tests of you know people hit the booking engine and they keep saying they're running into some type of issue you can learn a lot from that and and try to change that behavior by eliminating friction yeah and
0: it's always interesting exercise to to frequently when you look through the exit um, points throughout the funnel is have a discussion with your team and and try to figure out, well, why is that potentially happening? You know, is is it that I've provided all the information they needed and they made a decision and it was they don't want to stay? Or is it that they don't have the information they need and they're going to some other source? So really paying attention to, okay, am, am I not including taxes and fees at this point? Or am I not? telling people how big the rooms are at this point there's contextual information that matters at different points throughout the funnel and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what that is and make sure that all that content exists in that space but i would also say
1: to be careful not to overload the consumer with too much Mm
0: -hmm. information Mm -hmm. for sure yeah
2: and i think that's where you want to you don't pick one tool and use it Exclusively, You want to maybe start with user testing to, just to get an understanding of what customers are doing. Combine that with your A-B testing platforms. Look at your Google Analytics and help kind of create an overall campaign of how you're going to optimize the site and use each tool for its
3: intended well, purpose. Here, here's, here's one real-life example that we've seen. Uh, a booking engine puts a, a form field for promo code. And then we see people bailing from the booking engine and we see searches for <laughs> hotel name promo code go through the roof. Well, then you know people are leaving your your booking experience to go try to find a promo code and then they're getting exposed to your rates through OTAs and elsewhere, even other hotels. Um, but that's I mean that's just an example, but that's the type of stuff we're asking you to look at.
0: Yeah, and we're not saying you shouldn't use promo codes. Sure, it's sure. just
3: about where does that exist
0: in the in the process? If if you know, it's not Where the majority of your business is coming from through promo codes, then it should not be on your checkout page. That's the worst place to put. And again, that's where people are emulating e-commerce, traditional e-commerce on the hospitality side, and it's not the same thing. It's not well. And 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 here's
2: the worst part: so many times from an accommodations perspective, promo code actually means group code.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: From to a customer, those are not the same thing. Right.
0: And think about the psychology of that. If you if you have a box that says promo code, that's telling them. They can get a cheaper rate. You right. just need to go find it. Yeah.
2: So if you're going to use the term promo code, go to RetailMeNot, post your promo code, even if it's $2 off. But if you got the field, you better let somebody find a promo I, code.
0: I would argue don't even, if it if you're using it as, as if it really is a group code, don't put it in no, your don't regular... Call it,
2: yeah, don't call it promo code. Call it a group code or
0: hide it. Hide it completely yeah. because the majority of people that are coming for a group aren't going to come in through the homepage of the website, right? They're going to get a specific link mm-hmm. sent out by the group that they're attending with a link that should only show the rates for that room block. Right.
3: right. So so why
0: why would you potentially alienate or, or risk decreasing the conversion rate for every other person when it's mm-hmm. not really giving you any benefit? So just don't do not do
3: it. <clears throat> so a uh, couple of things what you can do with the findings. So we'll jump back to page flow. So using page flow to understand typical patterns, uh, determining if you need to add features or remove noise to guide users deeper into the funnel. Um, next, we talked about finding the most common exit points, determine if there are things on those pages that could be creating friction or doubt, driving users away like we just talked about, potentially promo codes, potentially you know, they, they want more reviews or something like that. So, uh, another one would be A-B testing tools. They can help you with both of those previous items, you know, understanding whether you need to add more, subtract some, A-B test and find out what works best for you to increase your conversion rate. Um, lastly, evaluating user tests, listening to the, the feedback, uh, determining any, any patterns that might be driving people out of your funnel. And addressing those issues, like like removing unnecessary form fields, like we talked about, adding social proof to embolden a potential guest, uh, create fear of missing out through messaging that makes them make a decision right now. Um, those are those are all kind of things that you can do with your findings from your conversion rate optimization tracking.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to get nerdy for a second. So if you look at friction and why we use the word friction it's not just us a lot of people use the word friction but it's it's a really good analogy right because it's similar to to friction between two surfaces that are rubbing together so if you're trying to push a a cube along a, a, a road right and it's it creates friction, creates heat, it creates noise, and it creates drag. So it's it slows down as you're pushing it. So to reduce friction between any two objects, there there are two things, you, primary things you can do. One is to smooth out the surfaces that are contacting. So that's what we're talking about by when we we remove hurdles, we take away like a form field, or we just make it an easier process. That that's like smoothing out the surfaces. The other thing is you can. You can oil a surface or grease a surface, right? You can add something which is um, reducing it. So that's the other thing we're talking about. And then the other thing you can do to reduce friction is push something a lot faster, like push more force behind it. So that's where we're talking about the psychology, the nudges that you just mentioned. So using things like social proof or fear of missing out, things that are levers throughout you know human history that we know when applied correctly, they work. So pushing people through the funnel and then making sure the surface they come through is a lot smoother than it was. Those two things in conjunction with each other, are going to see a dramatic increase in the conversion rate. And it's especially, especially important on mobile because you got to get people through that funnel a lot quicker than you do on desktop as well.
3: All right, we're ready to jump on to the next part of part two. Yeah, part Yeah. Yeah. We got it So the next part is uh, tracking your site's performance. So your site performance can drastically affect how users interact with the site itself. So if it's too slow or too difficult to navigate, the users can and will find another booking option. Um, many cases we find that the hotels with the highest percentage of total bookings going to OTAs also have really bad site performance so those those two things correlate so is this is this a good
0: point to put in a stat of the week that's the best noise in all of podcasting (laughs) and and might i say it's the first time that that noise has occurred and the stat of the week has occurred in the middle of a show instead of at the beginning of the show
2: that's right and that's our stat of the week
0: What's next, Phil? All right, so stat of the week.
3: He is just gave the stat. No, yeah. I just gave the, the have we, we have two stats of, of the week? There are All right, two hang stats
2: on. let me play stats. it over again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. 53% of mobile site visitors will leave a page that takes longer than three seconds to load. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Say that again. 53% of mobile site visitors leave a page that takes longer than three seconds to load. So said Google. by Google. Google must be true. It's true. Although technically, a hundred percent
0: of people that visit the site leave the site eventually, right? Sure.
1: <laughs> I don't know. My browser stays open like infinitely on my phone.
0: This yeah, is true. Open a new tab. going to yeah. reboot at some point. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But so, so
3: they're saying they bounce, right? They don't, they don't look at anything, right? They're, they're back to the search results. They're finding something else to give them the same information that you didn't provide within three seconds. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to the things you should be monitoring. Number one being, are users leaving your site because of slow load times? And number two? Yes. Yes, they are. And number two, are they leaving because of a poor mobile experience? Yes. Yes, they are. All right, so a couple of things you can do uh, to monitor user experience User testing recordings and do that from a mobile device. Make sure that you you set up your user, t- user tests to be done on a mobile device and listen to what the <coughs> testers are are saying to you, uh, you about the about the mobile experience.
2: Yeah, and you really need to do it on both platforms. You know, a lot, a lot of times when you will know, we'll administer a user test, everyone's so focused on how they interact with a desktop, but look at who's actually visiting your website in most cases it's 75 plus percent of customers are coming on a mobile device
3: it's over 50 if you're only
2: yeah if you're only optimizing the desktop what about the majority of your traffic
3: right uh so you have user testing um next is the google mobile friendliness testing as well as search console and you can just you know go to google and type google mobile friendly test and they let you put your website in right there and they'll they'll tell you whether it's mobile friendly or not um, also your google search console um, search console will tell you mobile issues like your text is too small to read on a mobile device or clickable elements are too close together like you have buttons that are too close and people's fat fingers can't figure out the buttons so you know spread them out um the and Phil, other,
1: what is the cost of those two tools
3: oh they are 100 percent free wow that's and amazing you you should be using them always but uh, all right, so all, for all the people driving right now not taking
0: notes tell tell us again what those two tools were
3: those were google search console
0: and google mobile friendly test so just go to google and type in search console or mobile friendly test and you'll find links to sign up for those and how easy! For we don't even have to dollars. sign up for the mobile <laughs> yeah. friendly test. You just, just literally drop, your drop in your URL. Yeah.
3: Super easy. Um, one other thing that we find is a issue on a lot of sites that don't that aren't using a great responsive design. The content is wider than the screen on a mobile device. Oh, it drives me it's, nuts. That is a terrible experience. People cannot navigate easily. They will go back to the to search results. They'll click on an OTA and book through an OTA. Don't let that happen to you. Yeah, you know who has a great mobile experience? Every OTA out there. Yeah.
0: They, they've mastered reducing friction. And Google. <laughs> yeah, Google was built. I mean, they, they've they started, even their designers, Even this goes back two or three years ago now, every SERP change, design change, is now done on mobile
3: first, and then they figure out how it's going to work on the desktop. Side. Yeah, as Google takes over the world, mm-hmm. their mobile experience will be optimum so make sure yours is at least comparable uh make sure you're not you're not losing people to go back to google just because it's easier to be on google and
2: yeah. that part's not rocket science no, either luckily you have a lot of great tools to figure out what works best from a mobile perspective free tools well not yeah you have free tools but then you also have tools like google expedia booking.com look how they're actually doing shop your competition and oh, yeah. understand where they had those the fear of missing out where they're putting levers or leverage on the customer how they're having that person walk through the booking process do that and then emulate what you can what makes sense on your own site
0: yeah i think that's great advice so when we redesigned our booking engine a few years ago to be mobile first that was part of our exercise we spent a lot of time specifically looking at booking.com mm-hmm. and what they were doing what information they're putting where they're putting it why they're putting it there and then, how can we emulate that for the hotel and do it one louder, you know, do yeah. it a little bit better? So, I mean, yeah, because a lot of times, if you're a hotelier, you think the
2: competition is the hotel down the street. Your true competition is the person that you're working with at booking.com and Google and all those other places. Mm-hmm. So, focus on being the best you can be against those guys, which is that's a tall order, but, but at least they're, they're showing their hand it of how doable. that process works. I
0: mean, it, just like we talk on the show about how your website should have the most relevant the best information about your property right so if you go to an Expedia or Google My Business or these other places that have information about you if they're doing a better job than you are on your website then you're doing it wrong you need to spend more time making sure that you have the best resource with the most information but the same should be said for the booking experience too if you don't have the best booking experience then people are going to gravitate to where it's less friction. They're going to go to booking.com cuz they can click two buttons and swipe and they're done. You need to invest in that experience and make sure you're doing the best job you can. And there's no reason in today's day and age with the technology that's out there that you can't compete one to one with these other guys. You know what else
3: they do really well? They're fast. We just talked about mm-hmm. this. So, you know, half of your site visitors will leave if you over half of your site visitors will leave if you're not loading within three seconds Mm -hmm. so a couple tools you use to track that guess what these are free too: google page speed insights and gt metrics are the two tools that i use daily to track site speed so they'll give you a a good idea of true load speed and things like um, average fcp guess what that is the first contentful paint um, just kind of, yeah. <laughs> so I'll make that easy. It's how long it takes a page to begin to render, um, other things like FID, the first input delay, or, you know, how long it takes a page to start responding to user actions. So those type of thing th- those, those metrics are what, what Google's looking at to determine your page speed, these things affect your rankings directly. Uh, and also affects you know, how users will interact with your site. It better be fast. You better be showing them what they need to see quickly, or they're going to leave and go find it elsewhere. Um, so a couple things you can do with these findings. So determine if your mobile experience is too difficult and it's driving people away. This is the stuff like we talked about. Is your content too wide? Are your clickable elements too close together? Can somebody get this done on booking.com or google easier than your website? If so, change that. So Lauren Gray on his show this week in hospitality
0: marketing was talking about he was at the New York HSMI conference. And he said the best litmus test for whether you have a good mobile experience or not is to stand on a busy street corner in the middle of New York with a time crunch, trying to perform whatever it is, you would try to book the hotel, trying to do whatever it is, because there's so much in- stimulus and input coming from outside, and you're frazzled, right? If you can't get through it on your mobile device, then it's too complex. Which I that's, thought was pretty good. cool. It's good, and you know, I've, I've experienced that before. where I'm trying to figure out where something is. You know, the the kids ma- are screaming. Yeah, wife's yelling. Exactly. At you. I told him we we emulate that here. When I just I'll pull out my phone, and you guys will just stand around and scream in my ear. <laughs> That's how we accomplish the same thing here,
3: but I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, what to do with your findings? Determine if slow load speeds are driving users back to search results. So if you see that you know your most visited pages are increasing in bounce rate, then you need to go check your page speed against those pages. You know, just pop them into the page speed insights, pop them into GT metrics, the specific URLs we're talking about you know if you're if you see a spike in bounce rates also check and see if you've seen a spike in load speeds if if you have that could be very well be the reason and then you need to work on speeding up the pa- uh, pages so that could be you know making sure images are sized properly making sure your javascript is minified there's the tools will tell you exactly what's wrong and if you can't fix it yourself your developers will be able to help you with that but it it's increasingly important to have a fast and easy to use mobile experience. And it has been for a while.
0: You know, the whole mobile getting that happened a couple mm-hmm. of years ago was was really focused on being mobile friendly and a big and, part of that was and honestly, low thank time.
3: thank you Google, because we all use our phones more and more and they are forcing people because to create good th- mobile experiences. And they're doing it
0: not because it's good for us as publishers of content, it's good for the consumer. That's right. why they're doing it. and if you look Ram Fishkin in his presentation uh, for Spark SparkToro that he's been doing recently, he talks about MobileGeddon and says, you know, the reality is there wasn't really a big shakeup. If you look at, because Mars puts out their volatility, the weather forecast, the Mars right, cast. the Marscast. And it, it basically shows how much change is going on in the search results. And if you look around when Mobile Garden was going on, there really wasn't any discernible increase in volatility but what you did see because google was out there threatening that it was going to happen and everyone panicked and uh, everyone jumped on this whole mobile getting thing it went from only about 60% of of websites and this is every industry it's not just hotels but 60% of websites were quote-unquote mobile friendly and had their mobile friendly tag to within the month before and after mobile getting it went to 85% of sites So now you got like an extra 25% of all websites now are doing a better
3: job for the consumer because Google said you had to do it. And and look, Mm. the the websites that ranked high in Google prior to Mobilegeddon already had a great mobile experience. So they weren't moving. It was the websites that that had crappy mobile experiences, turned them great, that probably saw a little bit of bump, but in, in reality... Everybody everybody who mattered was already doing it well. Yeah. And if you weren't, well, you probably fell out a bit. Yeah. So a couple of
0: things, just to reiterate what you said. One is the um, checking multiple pages. And one of the mistakes I see a lot is they'll run their homepage through a speed checker and not worry about the other pages. Now, your load time, it matters on every single page. Mm-hmm. And, and depending on what content and what processing is going on in every page, you could have a couple of extremely slow pages that not only are going to tank the conversion rate
3: on those pages but could bring down your overall site yeah, scores we, right? we said it when we we're talking about conversion rate find those pages that have the most exits yeah out of all pages of your site where 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 are people leaving the most if it's not because of your content it's definitely worth checking the page speed you yeah. might have an image that's freakishly large or some video that right. is slowing the page down and people just leave so that that's the second point i wanted to make which is images these
0: are typically the primary culprit so when you look at, when you look at what's Bogging down the site speed, a lot of times it's the media on there, right? It's photos, it's videos, things like that, because they typically, from a file size, are the biggest things and take the longest to transfer. So, if you've got a, an image that displays on screen at 100 pixels by 100 pixels, then if you don't train your staff appropriately, or you're just getting too quick in updating content on your CMS. A lot of people will grab an image from you know wherever they're getting their images from, and it's usually a high res image. It's, it it may even be you know be above ninety DPI. It might be like a three hundred DPI kind of an image, and it's a, a thousand pixels wide. And they three thousand by two thousand. Right, and they and upload it to the CMS, and there's no auto shrinking or anything like that. And now all of a sudden you're load, loading this like twenty megabyte file, which it could have been hundred k. And it's just adding to the load time. So it's it's a training and it's a human error
3: issue, but it's something you should pay attention to because
0: it happens all the time. You don't
3: really need to sacrifice quality of image because of size either. I mean, it can still look good in that space, but just make sure it is the proper size when you input it into its container. Well,
2: it, it, it will look better if it's the proper size right. because a lot of times the browser is trying to do the compression of the image and that is not always the best solution you know, so if you say my native image size is going to be it's a background i want a thousand pixels that's what you load mm-hmm. you don't load to three thousand. and say oh it'll, it'll shrink
3: yeah you're, you're killing your load <clears throat> times and likely visits
0: yeah so i would say you know we're on the cusp here of really you know google has not announced new data for a couple of years but a couple of years ago they were saying that 20 percent of all searches mobile searches were voice searches, right? That that was their number two years ago. We've all got to believe that it's a lot higher than that now, right? And Google hasn't released it for a while. You can debate why that is. But we're, we're getting to the point where certainly within the next five to 10 years, we're probably going to be at a point where voice is going to be the majority of mobile searches. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a good chance, even if we're off a little bit, it's still going to be a big percentage, right? So we're, we're still here talking about the fact that mobile first isn't is not the definitive thing that everyone does you know in the first iphone came out back in 2007 so 13 years ago in in we're still here preaching this so this is time if you still have a m.mydomain.com site or if your site um, doesn't even work well on mobile this is the year. 2020 is the year that you need to really invest in that you need to get up to snuff and compete on mobile. Because if you don't, you're going to be so far
3: behind by the time voice comes up. It's going to be a struggle to stay in business. It's the infancy of voice right now. A lot of voice searches, yes, they happen on your Google Home, your Alexa devices, whatever. But a lot of them happen on your phone as well. And we see it. We see it in our search terms reports. We see it in Search Console. Uh, We see people saying, okay, Google, or whatever it is and it comes through because they've had to repeat themselves. Google typically won't give you that data Okay, Google doesn't start the search, but it's someone thinking they haven't triggered it yet. But we see it. We see it come through. But a lot of that will come through on the mobile device. And the result comes back on the mobile device. If Google's not spitting the answer back out directly, they're taking you to a, a page on your phone. So make sure it's quick, so easy.
0: Assuming Google updates that number at some point, right? Let's say it's in the next 12 months. Google comes out with an updated number. It was 20% two years ago. Where do you think that number is today, realistically? What percentage of searches made on a mobile device and not, not a smart speaker, but a phone? What voice. percentage of searches, Google searches made on a phone, a voice? What do you think
3: it is? I mean thirty? You think it's, about it's what I was gonna guess. I think thirty. But that's Pete? A third. Slightly higher.
2: I'm only go like
0: Thirty point one, yeah. yeah Anything <laughs> above, you're correct. Yeah, no, no. I, I would think it, I could penny. say being
2: almost forty percent.
0: i yeah, don't think think it, it's I, top. 50 I would, yet. I was in the same range as you guys. I was thinking like thirty-five, so it was a little more than a third. But would it shock you if Google came out tomorrow and said, "You know what? Fifty percent of all searches on mobile are done with voice now." I would be a little shocked. But think about it. How many times do you talk to a phone and ask a question now versus pull up the browser? and type in a, a query i still pull up the browser, I, still up the browser. Do you? Yeah. I, I i i observing my kids knowing how i am and and i'm not a typical user I, i'd lean towards voice because of vision issues right but watching younger generations they're a lot more interacting here's, with
3: here's here's why i would i say it's it would only increase to 30 I'm looking at search terms reports. I'm looking at Search Console. I'm seeing actual queries that come through and sure. trigger my pages. It's quite clearly someone is not saying this stuff. Sure. You know, that's not normal searches. But speech. you're looking I'm at hotel specific seeing... searches, right? I'm talking about sure. all searches. Sure. But I'm, I'm also seeing, still seeing a ton of misspellings. So clearly that's thumbs.
0: Yeah. For, yeah, for sure. It's certainly most likely the majority is mm-hmm. still tight. But I'm just saying... A it, third of it will it be It wouldn't shock me if it gets to 50% in the next year or so. True. You know, wouldn't In shock the next me.
1: year, that wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Today, I still say yeah, 30-ish. Can I add one more point or one more tool? You can add whatever you want. About page speed and monitoring. Sure. Yes. You know where else is another free tool? Google Analytics. Oh, There's yeah. a report right <laughs> in there. That will rank all your pages and tell you how fast that they're loading or mm-hmm. slow.
0: Yeah, and I would say that's a good exercise, right? We talk a lot about how you should do audits and, on different things. That's that's one that should probably happen on a you know quarterly or semi-annual basis where you just look at that and say, okay, let's tackle the slowest ones. Let's try to get
3: them a little bit faster. And by that's the way, you could add actionable. segments
1: like mobile or desktop.
3: How about that? Hey. How about that? Um, yeah. So I f- I think I'm gonna turn this part one, part two into a full on blog post for all you guys, and include uh, screenshots, links to all the tools. Um, it'll be a, a complete guide for for just to turn it into a white paper or something. Yeah, like go and full downloadable. I don't want to go that way. <laughs> too much. I put, want I want it to be no. I want it to be on the site where people can come to it very easily. I don't want you to have to download it. I want it to be all there for you. Stats. Very generous. he's a giver all the good stuff yeah help not sell i like it That's yes. very good so is that it that's the full that's, that's it i mean that's that is analyzing your user behavior in two parts
0: i like it i thought a minute ago you were going to say you know we said it was gonna be two parts but i think i'm gonna and i thought you were going to say turn this into three parts but you didn't that's no it. i didn't we probably we probably exhausted <laughs> it i will say on that very last thing talking about performance and I haven't seen this yet, but it just came up in a conversation today. Someone was telling, um, telling us about how Hilton has released these stripped-down single pages for for their properties, and how they're super blazing fast, but they don't have nearly enough content like on them pages? to make. I, I get. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Like I said, it was a conversation. I'm assuming they're probably AMP accelerated mobile pages. Uh, but people are criticizing them because they're just not valuable to the consumer. They, so I would give you a word of caution, right? It's not like your site has to be loading in half a second. You know, if you're providing value and it's less than three seconds, I think you're doing okay. You know, there's there's always a trade-off between efficiency in in
3: you know. Well, that's what that's content, why we're saying. We look look at your conversion rates and, yeah. and track that stuff because you know, say you sped it up by removing a ton of stuff. Did it kill your conversion rate? All of this ties into to one another. Everything we mentioned in part one and part two of this, you need to be looking at in conjunction, or you're gonna be you're gonna be missing something somewhere. So, yeah, pay attention to all four points. Yeah,
0: a good rule of thumb is, and this is kind of a joke we talk about internally, is when you're looking at Google's tool, if the slowest thing on this on the site is a Google product. Like if you're using Google <laughs> Analytics or something like that, when that becomes the thing that's slowing your site down, then you're doing okay. Yeah, we, we that's pretty do much run all into of that. Our stuff. We do. Yeah, you, you can optimize to a certain point, but Google is always going to get get you at some point. You no, know,
3: yeah. they they'll still show as the slowest portion, but apparently they stopped dinging people for having yeah. Google products on their site. So <laughs> thanks, Google. Well, guess what, Google? I
0: ding you for being slow. Hey. you're unnoticed. Thank Google. you for all
3: your free tools, Google. I'm not going to push your buttons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit nervous about presenting right now about talking about how Google's going to devour you us all. Fuel like fuel just starts yeah, slipping. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, good episode. All right, thanks. I appreciate it very much. Paul. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Paul. Good job. Yeah, thanks for the reminder, Ringo. <laughs> I feel, I'm I sorry that I called you George Harrison. I feel like that's a slight. Like He's clearly the, the least good of the Beatles, right? Yeah.
2: Well, he's not the fifth.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. This is true. He could be Did the guy that left right before they became famous. Yeah. He could have just called you that Yoko. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you
3: wanted.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, here's a little bit of Beatles. I'm a big Beatles fan. The very first instance of a fifth Beatle appearing on an album cover is actually Abbey Road. And it's really it's cool little Beatles trivia for you. So check out that album cover. You'll see what I mean.
3: Really? Is there yeah. one on the road itself?
2: On on Abbey Road. An actual Beatle? Like, yeah, see? it's a little. Oh. It's there. There's a, a VW bug oh. on the road. <laughs>
0: I like it. So I like hence, it. That's
3: hence very it's, funny. The, it's
2: the fifth Beetle.
0: You know, my, my kids just started getting into the Beatles, <clears> and they pointed out something that I didn't realize. One of the Beatles, don't even look at it. Okay. One of the Beatles never wears shoes in any of the photos on the albums. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. it.
3: Look.
1: Yep. Who is it? Yeah. I bet it's John Lennon.
3: Nope. No, it's the Beatle. <laughs> the
0: Beatle? Yeah. He has tires the on. Be- yeah, the Beatle is not wearing <laughs> shoes. I forget who it was, but one of them was not wearing shoes. Did you guys ever hear the conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney oh, dead? Oh, dude. My yeah. 13-year-old is all into that right now. He keeps coming every day, coming back to me. i very I read sad. this other thing, and it's saying this. I'm like, dude, you don't believe everything you read on the internet. It's... I yeah, used to I watch
3: a, I think it was like a Netflix documentary on it a while ago I was like huh how about that yeah that's funny alright Jerry
1: Jones died
3: did he yeah yes. oh, you're you a huge monster fan, aren't you yes well. I am and I'm very
1: very sad
0: that's really
3: sad yeah. yeah this is our in memoriam part of the podcast I guess so
0: <laughs> I feel bad now because I was going to do some housekeeping and now we brought the show sorry. down sorry uh, it's fine anyone else dead anyone good <laughs> Um, that's all I got <laughs> <laughs> there, I forget what it was there was a skit show in England
1: Darth Vader's dead oh is that a spoiler what
0: <laughs> sorry um, or is he did he oh. live forever <laughs> as Thank a force ghost? Um, so there used to be a show in England I forget what it was but people someone used to read the obituaries every day and the, the thing that stuck with us and has become a saying in our family is who's dead anyone good like <laughs> I'm going yeah. to steal that <laughs> yeah who's dead anyone good uh, so the housekeeping so there's a show coming up at the beginning of March March 2nd through 4th it's the Navigate conference put on by Navis our friends at Navis who supplied us with a delicious wine a couple of episodes ago so we're going to be speaking at that there's other f- folks speaking Lauren Gray is going to be speaking there Ed St. going to be speaking there so a lot of good minds in the industry It's it's it started out as a kind of a user conference for Navis Customers, but it's become much bigger. It's become a really good content-driven conference. So check out the Navis website, navis.com slash navigate and go sign up for that. It's March 2nd through 4th in San Antonio, Texas. So go check that
3: out. Wait, can we can we start requesting stuff like we used to request wine? We Yeah, go for it. What do you want? Do we, if we have any Canadian listeners, please send me some puppers. You'll know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's beer.
3: Is it? Yeah. Can't get it here.
0: Really? Nope.
1: Hmm. Why is it? If that? that's illegal, I'm All right, just well, if joking. we're doing that
0: then, if we're doing that, then if you're in Australia, then send me some Cafferys because apparently Cafferys is an Irish beer that used to be sold in England and then came to the US and then, I forget, one of the big brewing companies bought it, whoever owns Killian's maybe or something like that, so someone bought it and then said it was too competitive one of the other brands and phased out Caffrey's and the only place you can still get it and it's my favorite beer of all time wow the only t- place you can get it is Australia oh. hmm yeah good to know so, Pete what do you want
2: uh world peace so <laughs> yeah, okay so.
0: <laughs> from any particular country Yeah. <laughs> Pete wants to go make his call in about six minutes yeah all right That's Mel- what this Melissa thing. any requests
1: uh, send wine
0: any kind of wine. She's Any not kind picky. of wine. Box bottles. Yeah, it's all good. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not picky. Wine. Toilet wine. I don't even know what that is. It's a jail me thing, Jack? apparently. <laughs> no. Oh, the ones they brew in the. So, yeah, gotcha. Alrighty, so Pete. Yep. When you're not trying to create world peace. They can find me on Twitter. Yep.
2: I could maybe I'm creating world peace on Twitter, but anyway, go check out P D I M A I O, and find out.
0: Melissa.
1: I'm on Twitter at MA Kavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H.
3: Philip. On Twitter at P P F O R I S K A. You can find
0: me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Uh, and don't forget, too, if you have an idea for a slogan for a shirt, we are soliciting those. We've had a couple come in already. So, info at fueltravel would be the place to send those in. And we
3: said, what was the subject line? T shirt slogan.
0: Yeah, and people don't follow rules, so just send us an email to info at fuel travel with and, the and subject hof- line. Ho- hopefully, we'll see the content of the email. Like if you, if you sent it in, and the subject line was. Hey fueligans or something and then you in the body said hey i have a such su-
3: why are you wrecking this for me
0: well i'm just saying don't don't put in you're putting too much friction in this contest man you know what if i'm driving directions. home right now and i'm like oh man i forget what that subject line was gonna have to be now i can't T-shirt enter the subject slogan don't worry about the subject line people just come up <laughs> with a, a kick-ass slogan that's all we ask and we'll be wearing those at high tech this year. That's my plan. Nice. We can get some good oh, ones. Fun. Yeah. So, show notes to today's show: fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 133. Uh, look for, in the next couple of weeks, Pete, uh, Phil, uh, Paul, uh, John. Uh, yeah. Phil Fariska's amazing blog post that's going to summarize this with. You're going to love it. You, you said you were going to put like <clears throat> images and videos and make the All page the really slow. Yeah. It'll be super fast. Okay, good. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.
1: Maybe you should whistle the newsaroos. All right,
2: we can unfortunately never do that again. Were you recording? <laughs> <laughs> no
3: that hurt my, hurt my ears. That's fantastic. That hurt my guess. Yeah. You might have to back up for that one. That's going <laughs> at the end.
0: That's totally going at the end.
1: you <laughs> think anybody actually listens to the end.